0: We're a little past midway, uh, we're a little past midway past the Ides. Oh, okay. Screw that. <laughs> I'm just going to start over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello oh, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I am joined by Mark Larocco. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You bet. And we are just past the Ides of March. Though I kind of felt like it should be a little warmer now, but we're not going to talk about the weather. <laughs> right. We've got other things to talk about. There's lots, there's lots yeah. of good stuff happening. Yeah. Um, so this is this is episode 53. You know what that reminds me of?
1: um from here to eternity which came out in
0: 1953 oh that is a very movie appropriate <laughs> reference right off the cuff we did not plan that that's great but no i was thinking of something that was completely not movie related okay uh the, i was thinking i was gonna go say mark Try again. mark, mark,
1: mark Eaton's jersey number yep oh there really? You go okay. that's what i was thinking
0: number 53 big mark seven foot four yeah and not a skinny dude either we we, yeah. we are truly from the same era because yep. we have so many
1: of the similar jazz related memories but then with uh-huh. movies we so many of the movies we end up talking about are those 80s 90s you know uh, our coming of age movies i guess um but yeah. yes yeah mark Very Eaton, true. big mark Very true
0: i i really liked him yeah. he seemed like did you a ever good meet him guy. i've never met him I, I kind of met him. I've, I've met several of the jazz players. I met Carl Malone in a McDonald's playland, oh. um, which is another story. But, but So I'm actually going somewhere with this. This is going to be the world's worst segue. Okay, <laughs> okay let's hear it. Um, because I kind of sort I, I of – I can't remember if I met – I don't remember having a, an insightful, deep conversation with Mr. Eaton may he rest in peace. I think he died a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but I did photograph him at a celebrity ski event. Mm. Yeah. Which is kind of a random thing. Um, and so I took pictures of him skiing and you know, who else was at the skiing event? John Stockton. No. Oh, Rick Majerus. Now Now
1: think movies. Oh, okay. Um, John Heater.
0: Nope. A little more current. Austin Butler. Austin Butler. No, <laughs> no, go ahead. It was Tell not me. Austin Butler. It was. It was not John Heater. It was Zachary Levi.
1: Oh, there we go. Yeah, I get your this segue. was. This
0: was. Yeah. So this was a an event. For, I think it was Operation Smile, and a friend of mine was doing some press coverage for it, and he asked me to come along and take some pictures. So I I took pictures of Mark Eaton. And Zachary Levi, a variety of Olympic level skiers. Cause we had some, like some real, like the real deal skiers there too. Um, and John Ritter's son was there. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, uh, very, very nice guy. Is he an actor, but, uh, an
1: actor as yes. well? I've seen him yeah. in, uh, like parenthood and he's been in a lot of stuff.
0: Um, Jason, I think it's Jason. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you can confirm or deny. Anyway. So yeah, so Zachary Levi was also at this, and so we're going from episode 53 to Mark Eaton number 53, to Mark Eaton is at the Operation Smile event, to Zachary Levi is at the Operation Smile event, to I'm going to give you my Shazam review, because Zachary Levi is in it. Very good. Terrible segue. I worked hard, and it, you know wasn't really worth the payoff. I don't think it was
1: actually a bad segue because you you related a story to where you saw an actor years ago who was the main actor in a movie that you're yes. about to
0: review. So go ahead. True. Well, the pro- the problem is I spelled it out too clearly. Right. Like if I had done it naturally. Right, yeah. So, like, if I was a real pro, we could have just done this like a regular conversation. <laughs> oh, you know, you know who else was there? It was Zachary Levi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's having a new movie come out this weekend. That's right. Would, I did see it. Oh, go figure. I saw it last night.
1: Yeah. It, it would be like if a stand-up comic would just said, like, here's a joke. Like before every joke, you know, like, oh, here's Here's a good joke. And then they just. okay.
0: here comes the (laughs) punchline time now. Now I'm going to give you the setup. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Very true. I will work on my professionalism in segues (laughs) in future episodes. Um, But yeah, I saw uh, Shazam, uh, not Shazam 2, Shazam! Exclamation point. Fury of the gods is the is the title. Um, It is the second Shazam movie. The first one was way back in 2019 which was uh 4 years ago and it feels like about 40 at this point in time the, um, the before times That's right. That's right. Now you said you have not seen the original Shazam. I have not. No. Now you say we're from the same era. Do you remember the TV show? I don't. I didn't even know there was a TV show. I have this vague memory. Very very vague. Um, of a, and I think it was a TV show. I suppose it could be a movie, but I don't think it was a movie, but they actually had a Shazam TV show when I was a youngster. Um, and I remember almost nothing about it. In fact, I I think the only thing I remember are some still images from an issue of Starlog magazine I had that, uh, covered a variety of television and movie characters and heroes and Shazam was in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so the first Shazam, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I have not seen it a second time, although I have intended to. Um, but it's it's basically about a teenage kid who winds up getting superpowers. It's, I guess you could vaguely draw allusions to Spider-Man, but it's really not that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's definitely more in kind of like the campy, kind of fun, happy, you know, a little, a little more tongue-in-cheek uh side of the the comic book spectrum um but uh in the first movie you know you you have uh billy is the the name of the kid billy batson and he gets these uh, magical powers to be a, called a champion and uh and so he becomes the shazam character so when he says when he yells shazam he becomes you know mm-hmm. he, he kind of grows up suddenly into zachary levi and he has he's a he's an orphan and he has a group of uh, fellow siblings who are also orphans who have kind of been, kind of come together under one roof. And they all get superpowers, and it's really fun. The first movie, really, really enjoyed it. Second movie, I wouldn't say was as good, but I did enjoy it. Uh, Fury of the Gods uh, kind of picks up in the aftermath of the first movie where, where you now have uh, Billy and his, like I say, kind of his, you could call them step siblings, however you want to call it. And they all have. Uh, their powers and so they're kind of this team of teenage superheroes that are going through the, uh, the hard knocks of figuring out how to be heroes and there's this big opening scene where they have to save a bunch of people who are on a bridge and a bridge is about to collapse and so they have to get them all out of there and, and they're stumbling enough that uh, you know the, the, the news media is calling them like the uh, I think it's the the Philly something something with an F or a pH. And I forgot what it was, the Philly fanatic. And it wasn't the fanatic. It was something like catastrophic, but that's a C. So anyway, things aren't going well, right? Um, they're still kind of going through their growing pains. Um, and in the midst of this, as a result of the events of the first film, which got them their powers, which I honestly cannot remember in very close detail. Uh, some sort of bad guys sort of good guys it's a little hard to tell um but they are called the daughters of atlas and they come to earth to try to reclaim their powers from shazam and the rest of the team uh and the daughters of atlas are led by uh helen mirren and lucy Liu, and uh I can't say too much more because there's a twist that is kind of obvious. I I, I wasn't really looking for it and I kind of saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so the long and short of it is that Shazam and his team have to face off against uh, the daughters of Atlas. And after about half to two thirds of the movie, it looks like it's kind of coming to a climax where they're going to have the big showdown. And I was thinking, hmm, this is it, huh? Okay, so I guess this is just going to be kind of your routine by the numbers. Nothing too special, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, but I was happy that they actually wound up doing some things towards the end of the movie that really kind of uh, ramped up the, the action and the intensity and the fun. And thanks to kind of the, the good vibes of the, the movie, like I said, this is, this is very much, especially for a DC movie, it's very lighthearted uh there's a there's a lot of kind of a a kind of a fun uh not so serious uh kind of approach to the to the tone of the movie and overall by the time it was done i felt pretty happy with it um i wouldn't rank it as like some you know all-time great comic book comic book movie or anything like that but i would definitely give it a solid three stars and uh i think that uh people would like it um it is a definitely a pg-13 there's some vulgar dialogue Um, and then just kind of other than that, it's kind of your standard comic book mayhem, Mm -hmm. uh, no real sex or violence. I mean, this is, this is one of those ones, honestly, other than a little bit of, like I say, kind of some vulgar dialogue, this is practically one that I think is more at the PG end of the spectrum. Um, but it, you might be taken aback by, by some of the stuff. Um, I I'm debating about where you you're going to say something. Go yeah,
1: on. I I wish that um one of my big hang-ups about all the all the Marvel movies and the DC movies that are they're firmly in that PG-13 territory is I think of who who they're aimed at and who they would like them, who who who, mm-hmm. who they're marketed to. And I really wish there were there would be like sort of a new crop of PG uh superhero movies. Like where you just tone down the violence a little bit maybe. Um, they usually right. don't have a problem with F words. I really haven't seen them in those kind of movies. I did see one. That yeah, X-Men, there was an X Men movie that had an F word in it. But like, um, and then and then like the vulgar talk you said, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two or movies like that. Uh-huh. Um, even the newest Thor movie. I I mean, if they would just like make it PG rated, still have you know a little bit of I guess a little bit of adult stuff or maybe a little bit of swearing and. Um, It's just interesting how every single one of those movies has to be PG-13. So then like when you're showing the little little kids, you kind of always have to watch them first or make sure, like, is this going to be enough? And it's kind of hit or miss, Mm -hmm. really.
0: Um, Well, and I I wonder if the reason for that is because so much of the audience for these movies is presumed to be people our age. Probably. you you, you, You talk about how... So much of this stuff seems to be connected to our, our youth in one, one way or the other, you know, the, the children of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, and for better or for worse, and I think in this case for worse, I think that's one of the side effects is that, you know, these things are very, very serious. Now, I've, just like you said, I'm, I'm grateful that they haven't uh, most of the time chosen to go with the one obligatory F-bomb that you're allowed in the PG-13 movies. Right. Uh, it seems like they, they haven't felt like they need to cash that in. Uh, but there's definitely there's definitely a feeling like okay, well, you know, if it's not, I, I really feel like there's there's a sense like if it's not if it's a PG movie that there's something wrong with it that it's too I know milk toast watered and, down
1: and and I don't think they have to do that. I mean, you can put no. some PG you know type violence in it. You can have some real suspense and some tension. Give it some yeah. stakes you know, interesting characters. If it's a good movie, people will see it. I, I feel like yeah. that's true. Um, but I, I think the studios have just, they're, they're all on the same page now where, and you look mm-hmm. at the, the box office mojo. I mean, all the top movies ever at this point are PG-13. I mean, you get, it takes, you get down to about 15 to 20 before you find a non PG-13 yeah. movie.
0: So that's, well, it's, it's going to get the widest audience, right? Right. Yeah, because but, it's, it's, Hopefully going to be mature enough to draw and hold the attention of adults, Mm -hmm. but also be accessible to kids and be rewatchable. And that that seems like the PG-13 formula.
1: It does. But I I guess my argument is that you can draw the attention and and hold the attention and even draw adults with with a PG movie. I mean, it used to happen Mm -hmm. all the time. There there used to be. Well, no, and that's
0: that's what I mean. I I think that that is true. But there's, for some reason, we kind of have this psychological hang-up where if we see that a movie is PG, we kind of assume that oh, oh yeah, and it must just don't be for kids. It. Yeah, either it's a, yeah.
1: it's an '80s drama or it's for kids. You know, yeah, <laughs>
0: it's, it's one or the other. It's yeah. one or the other. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so Shazam, I would, I would recommend. Um, I, I do think it was kind of fun. Uh, I could go into more detail. But I'm not going to. No, you don't need to <laughs> you it for yourselves. But let me know what you think. Um, yeah. So, because we've got other stuff to talk about, uh, being the middle of March, that would suggest that we just had the Oscars, and that suggestion would be accurate. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know. Well, I think that you watched the Oscars because I was texting you at the time. Yes. I was. I was watching the Oscars from an Oscar party. And I was texting you, and so I can only assume that you were you were watching the same thing I was. So, so did although you, it would be pretty darn funny if you were just faking it, did you? No, I was watching them. <laughs> did you? Did you win
1: the Oscar party? Did you do a? Bowl? I did. Oh, good. I job.
0: so so one of the one of the features of this Oscar party uh, is that everybody has to fill out a ballot. Um, we don't fill out a ballot for a couple of the categories, like the like the documentary shorts and some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the categories, we have to pick um, at least like our ranked choices, and so we can oh. kind of get partial points if we, you know, oh. if if the one that wins was our third choice, we'll still get like two points or something. Okay. Uh, anyway, long story short, um, I won, like the first. Nice. I think this was the first time I went out right, but. I think I might have cheated, or kind of cheated, yeah. Because, and this is my tradition every time I do this, uh, because all I know going into the Oscars is that the movies I like are not going to win. <laughs> that's and the, the people like that's that's really all I feel confident in is that if I actually filled out the ballot based on what I wanted, I know that I would win nothing. Right. Um, and so, because I want to win. I just go and look up the Vegas odds Mm -hmm. on the Oscars and I just mark everything accordingly. Yeah. And by doing that now, now this is not the first time I've done this. I've done this for years, but this was the first time that I just won outright. Yeah. And so, so the good people of Las Vegas really came through this year on their odds making abilities because their choices led me to the Christiansen family Oscar party uh Oscar ballot victory for 2023
1: well I have to say I'm quite surprised and delighted that you just admitted the cheating <laughs> in front of 40 million people our listenership well, of 40 well, million uh that- but I told them too like I tell everybody <laughs> you just go because, through the odds and fill them out well
0: because I talked to friends who were at this party and they're like oh well I'm not gonna you know Josh is gonna win because he's a critic like, well, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Just because I've seen a lot of these movies doesn't mean that I know who's going to win. Like I said, all yeah. I know for sure is that the stuff I want is probably not going to win. Like I think Coda was like the first exception, mm-hmm. right? That was—I I still think that was the first and only time where my favorite movie won Best Picture. Well, so yeah, you know, I don't—I don't have any insider knowledge here.
1: Okay, I yeah, there's got to be a few like Lord of the Rings, so I Return of the King. Yeah, that's
0: that would be the other one that I would go to. I can't remember what else came out that year. Um, So I honestly don't know if it was my favorite movie or not, but I know that is one of my favorite franchises and series and is the capstone of that one. And so that 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 might that might be
1: the first. That was the year of uh, like Mystic River and Lost in Translation. Um, Can't remember any of the others, but yeah, I mean that Lord of the Rings cleaned up. I mean, it it won so many Oscars, it didn't leave any for the other movies, kind of like this year.
0: But it was also kind of a weird one, because it was being recognized as representative of the whole trilogy. Right. Right? Yeah. Because it wasn't that Return of the King by itself was any better movie than Two Towers or Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. If anything, you could say, oh, it's got too many endings, and it's bloated, and blah, blah, blah. I've, it was very much a, okay, this is the movie we're going to recognize on behalf of this monumental thing that Peter Jackson right. hath wrought.
1: I think I did probably like it the best because I remember yeah. I was not prepared when I was in the theater watching the first one and it ended on a, a nothing, on a cliffhanger. Just like Sam and Frodo talking and, and then like going over <laughs> the mountain and like, oh, and they had already separated, you know, from the other the other group. Yeah. And so... And I hadn't, at that book point, I hadn't read the books. I didn't read them until seven or eight years ago. Oh, okay. But I, um, but it was a great movie. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. It's another one of those mm. I can't wait to show the kids. But the, but at the ending is like, hey, we're not done. Kind of an ending. Um, I do agree with you though. And I've, I've heard that, that it was really a reward for the trilogy. Like when Peter Jackson yeah. won, it won best song. It won, uh, you know, best picture. It won like 11 Oscars. It just won almost yeah. everything. And so, um. It was sort of like rewarding Peter Jackson for all the years best Vigo. he put in. Best what ego? Best Vigo? Oh, best Vigo, yeah,
0: and probably best ego too.
1: Well, it didn't win, and actually, I don't think it was nominated for any acting nomination, uh, which is really unusual for that many Oscars. I don't think it even had any yeah. nominations. It might might have had one because I think I know Ian McKellen was nominated in the very, in the first Lord of the Rings movie. Um, okay, but anyway, this year. There
0: was a movie that. Yeah, up. let's 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 bring it up twenty years. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about because that. Yeah, let's talk about this year. We got the uh, the the uh, the twenty twenty three Oscars covering the twenty twenty two movie calendar year. Um, I took some notes. Uh Great. Well, I wrote some doubts notes down. Like I was I was at the party and so I was I was shooting the bull. So so it's very possible that I missed a lot of really key moments and so I'm hoping that you can fill in these gaps for me. Um, as I was as I was eating uh, various hors d'oeuvres and desserts. Um, but uh, where do you want to start? I mean, well, wh- I mean, wh- the, the, start- the basic takeaway is that everything everywhere all at once kind of won everything everywhere <laughs> <Yeah>. over <laughs> the course of four hours.
1: Well, what do you, um, I mean, maybe just quickly, what do you think of the telecast? Is there something they can do to improve it? Do you like the way it goes? Because I used to watch the whole thing, and I, I did watch the whole thing this this time. In the yeah. last couple of years, I've, I've watched maybe two-thirds of it or, or half of it, you know. Um, and yeah. it's it can get long. It's gone past four hours in, in other ceremonies. Right. Um, do you – I mean, I don't know. Jimmy Kimmel was the host. Uh, yeah. He was a little edgier than I expected. I thought it would be kind of softer edged, you know, to, to like – Contrast uh, controversy from the past, such as like right. Gervais and stuff. He uh, he had some pretty biting jokes about people who weren't there, such as Tom Cruise and I
0: was that. Well, that was one of the first things I noted. James Cameron. That, yeah, yeah. That all of the the meanest digs were reserved for the two guys that weren't there. Yeah, like he said, I can't remember exactly what he said about Cameron, but but there was some. He took some shots at James Cameron. Yeah, uh, and then. And then he he was talking about Tom Cruise. And the only thing I have written down is El Ron Hubba Hubba. Yeah, it was a little bit Um, of a
1: Scientology joke. Um, It wasn't as as dark as the joke by uh, Jared Carmichael at the Golden Globes when he had the three Golden Globes. He said, these are Tom Cruise's three Golden Globes he gave back. Maybe we can return them to find out the whereabouts of Shelley Miscavige who is the oh, wife who was presumed missing for a long time, Jeez. the wife of the current leader of Scientology. And it didn't even get that many laps. It was one of those, oh, kind of responses yeah. from the audience. But yeah, with with Jimmy Kimmel, um, he there were some pretty funny jokes. Uh, not, But yeah, he, he he had that weird joke about how uh, Steven Spielberg and Seth Rogen were Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And I didn't, yeah. quite, I didn't quite get it. It's like... Uh,
0: I'm not sure anybody else did either. I, there were I think uh, for me what was almost as entertaining if not more were the cutaways to the reactions from the audience uh-huh. because there were you know plenty of people who I think kind of understand what's going on and they can kind of play along and laugh. But then there were a lot of people, you know, who who seemed very very serious and and you know when they were being lampooned mm-hmm. or referenced you could you could see very clearly that they were not happy (laughs) with with these this spotlight being shown them on them in that way like um because while i think he did take some pretty direct shots it didn't feel like it was a heavily political broadcast overall like i would i would it didn't feel and like i said this is something that i could have missed because i wasn't paying as rapt attention Um, but it did seem to be a little more mellow than I feared going in. Uh, but what I do remember is him trying to have fun with the audience at times when they did not want to have fun. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I missed her name. But I remember this was probably about two thirds of the way through the broadcast when he was actually out in the audience, in the aisle, and he started talking to a woman that I think is some kind of an activist. I'm not oh, sure Malala. If she's actually, yeah, yes, yeah. Malala, Nobel Prize. And winner. she was having none of it. She wasn't. Like, the look on her face was hilarious. You know, like, she 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 what, gave bless the... her heart, hard, I'm sure. You know, had to be a trooper, but holy cow, that she, was funny.
1: She gave the best answer of the night, though, because he says. So what's your opinion? Did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? And she looked confused for a minute and she kind of looked down and she said, I only talk about peace. And it kind of like shut Jimmy Kimmel up for a second. Right. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I'm asking this like world famous, you know, activist uh, for peace about some stupid spat between two celebrities she doesn't care about. And she gave a great answer. I'm like, okay, yeah, she didn't even want to wade into that territory and try to make a joke. Um, now Colin Farrell made a joke, which was funny because a lot yeah. of people were offended on his behalf. I ended up watching the SNL skit that made fun of him and Brendan Frazier or no Brendan uh, Gleason. Gleason, and yeah. it was like pretty funny. It was like how their 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 accent is so Irish; they're speaking Gaelic. You can't understand a word that they're. Oh, saying. that's right. And then the, and then they're drunk. There's a stereotype about them being drunk Irish, and people were mad because first of all, it's a, it's an Irish stereotype, and second of all. Colin Farrell is famously, um, he's he's sober. He's been sober for like 15 years or something. He okay. used to have a drinking problem, but he doesn't now. But he didn't seem to mind. He's the one that told the whole audience to go check out SNL to find out, you know, the answer to oh, Jimmy cool. Kimmel's question. But but yeah, I, I mean, did you notice who, I guess, proverbially speaking, Jimmy Kimmel slapped the most in his opening well, monologue?
0: I noticed... <laughs> I can't remember if it was in the opening monologue or not, but I, didn't he take a couple shots at Matt Damon? No, I know that they kind of have Will a long-standing. It was Will oh, Smith. Oh right. Oh sure. He sure. He made sure. lots of yeah. jokes
1: without ever naming him. I noticed that was like that must have been a deliberate thing in in all of the setup and the and the payoff of the jokes. He never used the word Will Smith, but everyone yeah. knew who he was talking about each time. He, he talked yeah. about how he has the security, and you're going to have to get past right. Michelle Yeoh and Steven Spielberg, Fableman. You know, like he's a superhero, and uh. Uh huh andrew gar uh spider-man you know and he gave that weird look to the camera so i i like yeah. some of that stuff i i guess it was good for them to address it because everybody that was the biggest story from last year for better for worse i guess for worse sure in terms of the oscar <laughs> telecast that was the biggest story and he he had a lot of jokes about it i mean it was yeah it was a good three three minute bit on on will smith <laughs> mm-hmm. you know um yeah i thought it was fine um not my favorite host, but he's definitely no he's not like no. Anne Hathaway and James Franco or you know, not one of these people that doesn't know how to be a host of an award show.
0: Sure. Well, and and then so much better I mean anything is gonna feel like a recovery after a couple of years ago when everybody was separated at some random dining room tables and it felt like there was about one tenth of the
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: the usual crowd there and Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I have high standards for the thing because it's just, I'm, I'm as annoyed by it as I am in, entertained by it. Yeah. Um, but, I would, I guess I would give Kimmel a solid B. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, you know, maybe a B minus if I'm being really critical. But I don't think I care enough to be that critical.
1: The other thing too, that's about what I would say was the. I like to to learn about the movies, to look at the history of the movies. I love montages. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if by the way, I'm not one of those people that complains about how long it goes. I it, I don't really care. But like there were those ads, you know, that, yeah. that was the weird thing. Two there were two very obvious right. like the the Disney trailer or right. um the new uh, the little mermaid, right? And right. and then it you, you think it's part of the show and then you 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 know after like 20 seconds you realize wait this is basically an ad and it's kind of I don't want to say creepy but it's not pleasant because you know Disney owns ABC and the telecast uh-huh. is on ABC and apparently they bought airtime or airspace from themselves so they gave oh, themselves no. it, money
0: and this is this is what we were texting yeah. back and forth about yeah. because at this point it started to feel like a full blown infomercial mm-hmm. it was so weird um, yeah. because you know, because the, the first one was was the Disney one, right? Because the 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 young woman who's playing the new mermaid. Ha- Hallie Bailey, then, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, oh, it was Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of them come out there and start talking. And so you think that, oh, well, maybe they're out there to announce an award or something, right? Yeah. But then I think, well, that's kind of... And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, this is weird. How come they're sending them out for a, representing a movie that hasn't even come out yet? yeah. You know, you'd think that oh well, maybe they're from a past movie that has actually been seen by people, but then and then they introduce the trailer and they start playing the trailer, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? Yeah, because I mean, I know that there's been some controversy around the movie itself, just because there's a lot of controversy around Disney. Mm-hmm. I know, like are they feeling like this is how they're going to address it? But then they just kind of go on with things and then after the trailer it goes on with some more commercials and then, and then a few minutes later they had uh Warner Brothers who I guess had a 100th anniversary and I guess Disney had some kind of a 100th anniversary as well which is part of the justification mm-hmm. here. And so and so they do the same thing for Warner Brothers and I'm thinking Okay, well, so maybe it's okay if they have more than one studio, so it's not favoritism. But right. hey, what about the indie people, right? How about the indie movies? Yeah. How are you you know, are you just going to favor all the big? Or what and about they had this... like Paramount or 20th Century Fox yeah. or Sony? I mean, it was just Disney well, and Warner Brothers. And then know. they have the big long ad for the Oscar Museum. a Little <laughs> late later on. That that, that always, just, that always
1: like, makes sense to me because it is the Oscars, right? It's the Academy Motion. Well, popular, so I kind of I wish I, I would have gone there.
0: I think it would have made more sense if they hadn't have already done kind of the obvious promotional cutaways for those other two studios. Mm-hmm. Because by adding all that in there, the whole thing just started to take on this. Like I say, it just I felt I, I was expecting them half. I was half expecting them to pan over to the side and see a big panel of Hollywood stars taking phone calls and getting donations like a PBS <laughs> telethon. <laughs> that would be like fun. it was just this. <laughs> it felt like they were saying, please come see our movies, you know, mm-hmm. please come support us. Like there was this sense, this subtext to it, like, please come back and keep us in business so we can make millions of dollars again. And yeah, I don't know. I, I did not like it. I thought that that was super lame and yeah, that was dumb.
1: Yeah. Well, it, I, good. I mean, it was weird too. Cause Margot Robbie and Morgan Freeman were the ones doing the the, Warner Brothers promo, and they they mentioned like two of their famous Warner Brothers characters. I think it mm. was uh, like, oh, Barbie. There's a little bit of a nod to Barbie, which is the big movie coming out this year by Greta Gerwig. But then uh, oh, yeah. his character from Batman, Lucius Fox, or something like that. Yes. And Harley Quinn. And so. Yeah, and that was another one that I didn't quite understand what was happening at first. I'm sure we're all like, "Oh, what's happening?" And then, but then you get to see a little movie montage, which I like. So I, I guess I don't think of it as an ad; it's just another excuse to mm. to show a movie, you know, montage of scenes from famous movies. Yeah, I wish they would show more of that in the obit section too, or in the um, the uh, in memoriam section. Yeah, you know? that that went by fast. It went by fast, like and a lot of times they, you don't get anything; you just get a face and a year, you know birth right. year, death year. It's like, I, but, but then, and then there's always
0: a lot of people they leave out, but they tell you to go to a website and you can see right. who they left out. But yeah, well, the best, the best part of the in memoriam this year was John Travolta's introduction. Oh yeah. He was so, so obviously moved. Emotional. And, yeah. And see, here's, here's my total distortion of reality because when he goes up there and started talking, I thought, Oh, these is because his wife just died and she died like, 3 years ago or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Kelly, Kelly Preston passed away and so mm-hmm. because I thought that they had him out there introducing it because mm-hmm. she was in it. Yeah. But I guess uh, I'll blame COVID. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that that I thought was really kind of sweet because there was there was some real sincerity there. And that's that's one of the things I really did like about this broadcast is it it, sem- it seemed like there were several people who won awards who really mm-hmm. genuinely seemed moved. Yeah. Um, I mean every, I think everybody is, is most mostly going to remember uh, K. hai Kwan?
1: Yeah,
0: um, Kiwi Kwan. Who, uh, is it? Is it key I, I think it's uh, Key, Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, hopefully he'll forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a pretty nice guy because uh, he. You know, we all knew him as, as Short Round in Indiana Jones: and The Temple of Doom, and Data and Goonies, and and he won Best Supporting Actor for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah, and just couldn't be more adorable on stage. I mean, he's a grown man and just beside himself. and So
1: happy and so talks about the American dream and he's emotional. Even Ariana DeBose started crying when she was announcing his name. Oh,
0: right, right.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I was like, I'm fine with it. Even though I don't, I mean, it's funny. I'm okay with a lot of these awards, even though I don't think they went to the Mm -hmm. deserving recipients. Um, yeah. I you know he wouldn't have had my vote for the winner, but I think a lot of people vote just because they want to see the speech. Some people do that. I mean, he's been killing it on the award circuit all year. He's just been like everyone loves him, and so and and ever and apparently all the Oscar voters just loved that movie. They wanted to give it all the awards possible. Even Jamie Lee Curtis, who that one was considered a little bit
0: of an upset. Uh, it was it was an upset, but it was another one that I thought was really sincere. Yeah, you know when kind of, cause I guess both her parents have passed on and they yeah, just, uh, they were in movies, Janet yeah. Lee, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was something I did. I did genuinely, you know, got, got through my cynical exterior uh-huh. and, and touched my heart a little bit, just a little bit, not much, but a little bit. Um, and then, uh, what else was there? Oh, well, and then, you know, when Brendan Fraser won, he, he just seemed on the verge of breaking up from the moment he got up there that, uh, that poor guy and even Michelle Yeoh, you know, they all, mm-hmm. it's nice. It's, it's nice when, you know, there's, I, I guess there is, there's enough to dislike about the Oscars in terms of kind of its seriousness and pretension and all that kind of thing that the sincerity like that really kind of cuts through mm-hmm. and, and that made it, that made it fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's see i looking at my other notes here. Well, I um, I have a quick note. Oh yeah, movies oh, go ahead. we go haven't ahead. mentioned. So
1: because everything, everywhere, all at once, and all quiet on the Western Front, the two big movies with the long titles won a combined eleven Oscars. Okay. There were four movies that were all huge award winners in other other venues that were big movies all year long that were completely shut out. And mm-hmm. I, I counted because I was so curious to, to see the number. So Tar Elvis. Banshees of Inisherin and The Fablemans had thirty Oscar nominations, and they won oh, wow. zero—a combined zero. Like, yep. <laughs> normally you don't see that. I mean, if you've got that many big movies, normally there's at least two or three or four spread out, you know. Mm-hmm. But they didn't win any, and that was amazing.
0: That um, that is interesting. I would be totally fine with that if the movies that won were that. Much more superior, mm-hmm. but I don't think that was the case this year. I think this was a pretty even field. I thought that there were some good movies, but I don't think that the ratio of the awards is representative of the disparity in quality mm-hmm. of those movies. If that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I understand that. I mean, I my vote would have been Top Gun Maverick, and that was just not going to mm-hmm. win. It won one Oscar. Um but, yeah. but then Banshees would have been second, so I would have mm-hmm. actually picked Martin McDonough as the best director. Um because Kaczynski wasn't nominated. So a lot yeah, I'm I'm with you. A lot of my picks that I would have preferred to see won, hardly any of them won. Um yeah. in some of the lesser categories they did. I did end up watching the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse um, okay. on Apple TV, and it is a really sweet, charming uh animated like 34 minute animated film that is just a very patient uh kind of aimed at kids with really nice messages for kids um and i i don't know i don't usually watch those like i those 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 categories i see i'm like i haven't seen any of these you know but i did end up watching it and i kind of want to show it to the kids to see what they think because it just has some really great lines like you know like when you say i'm glad we're all here it's just another way, way of saying i love you all and um, you know, kindness is more important than everything. It quietly exists beyond everything and has, it has like a, a, a cool little story about a boy trying to get back home and then he meets a mop, mole who sort of helps him and then a fox and then a horse. And, um, the animation is almost like a painting, uh, really cool animation. Mm-hmm. But, um,
0: yeah, no, when I've, when I've taken the time to watch the animated shorts, they, they really are worth yeah, it. Yeah, you never they're, regret they're really it. Fantastic. There's and they're short. The, the quality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and so on, on that note, here's another segue. Um, the quality of the winner aside, how did you feel about them making such a big deal out of including all of the categories in the broadcast, which is already legendarily too long? Um, I, I, because I'm guessing that they were doing it because they wanted to do it, not yeah. because they thought the audience actually wanted it. Well, it's I... The TV viewing audience, that I means. don't...
1: Well, here's the thing. The movie, the movie community wants it. And they actually get angry when it's not included. The TV mm-hmm. people, the TV viewers, and even the TV producers, they hate it. Right. They don't like it. So in this this year, I guess the movie people won. And I, I, I <laughs> again, I'm, I'm okay with it. I like it. Um, I did like the idea when, when two, you know, two presenters would come up and give two Oscars out. So you wouldn't have to have people sit down, come back up, make a big deal like... They did that with the acting ones, Um, but I. But again, I like it when they teach us something about movies. You know, like um, Creed. uh, The two Creed actors did about best cinematography. They talked about Spike Lee. Some one of one of Spike Lee's shots that he's actually used in a few of his movies, like Black Klansman and and Malcolm X. And then they talked about uh, Greg Toland, I think, putting the in Citizen Kane, putting the camera below the floor to get that that low angle. Um, and it was uh, he directed Creed what's his name oh Michael B. Jordan he directed Creed 3 yeah and he was with Jonathan Majors and that was kind of cool they showed Mm -hmm. the camera they had like a big old camera from 1941 right there And um, so yeah I don't I like seeing those lesser categories and also you end up getting to see some wins sometimes from movies that maybe didn't win anything else Mm -hmm. not that Avatar and Top Gun needed it but they both won an Oscar you know sort of a below the line (laughs) Oscar um, but yeah,
0: well, because I felt like, and I, I can only imagine this was a consequence of it. Uh, but it felt like the last few categories were really rushed.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: they, they buzzed through those fast. Like it didn't even seem like they were taking commercial breaks at the end. They, they kind and, of always
1: do that though. But yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I have ne- I've never noticed it that much. Oh, like okay. it really seemed now, now there was what was the one was it last year or the year before it was two years ago where it just ended on such a flat note because it was actor. almost like an after yeah, yeah because that's right because they tried to do best actor after best picture and it just <laughs> it was felt weird like such a dud i don't
1: think they should do that because i feel like best picture is all obviously the crowning oscar it should always be at the end yeah but they, yeah. I think, the reason they did that is they thought it would be a posthumous Oscar for Chadwick Boseman. Everybody right. thought he was going to win, right? And then it went to Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't even there. Whoops! I know. Which was my favorite movie of the year. I was really happy. I was so happy to see yeah. the Father getting an award, but I, um, it, it wasn't a good. I guess it wasn't a good moment for the Oscars. I don't know. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, our- I, I did you notice? Did you notice the white dress? The white dress? So so I think this is when Jimmy Kimmel was out in the crowd talking to people. It was the same segment as uh, when he was talking to uh, Colin Farrell. Um, there was, and I guess she was in the crowd. I guess she was there because she was a co-writer on one of the songs that was nominated. But she had this huge white dress that extended up over her head. And had to be blocking the view of at least like three people sitting behind her in the crowd. You didn't see this? No, I missed that. Yeah, it was, it was dramatic. Wow. And yeah, I, I thought, wow, like I, I understand the, you know, the importance and the emphasis on Oscar fashion, Mm -hmm. but like. So did nobody think that you know at some point you're going to have to sit down and people are going to have to sit behind you to watch the entire on, the entire Oscar broadcast? Yeah, that's that's rude. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. It was just kind of one of those you kind of notice in the background and go, "Whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> what the?" Uh huh. <laughs> so anyway, that that stood out to me. Uh, what else was there? Oh, and I guess, uh, um. He said it's Ki-Hai-Kwan.
1: ki, Hai kwan. ki, ki kwan
0: I thought. Or maybe it's Ki-Way-Kwan. ki, Wee kwan. ki, ki, kwan. ki, ki Wee kwan Yeah. Um, because, and I didn't even realize this at the time, but he was able to have an on-stage reunion with Harrison Ford when mm-hmm. they went up for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, I think that was uh, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think that was most of the... Well, I mean, I noticed that, that uh, one of the Daniels, he seemed to be really, really earnest. Like, he was kind of one of those guys that... I was kind of hoping that when he was giving his speech that they would send out the RRR guys to chase him off stage. Mm -hmm. Like they joked about at the beginning. Yeah. Um, especially because after they won best picture, he got up on the microphone and started talking again. And it's like, dude, come on, just, you had your moment. Step aside. We need to get on with things. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that was kind of annoying. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do have to say that, uh, There is there is something satisfying about having the guys who made a movie about a flatulent corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe have now won a Best Picture Oscar.
1: It is pretty amazing. And not just that, but they won. So they won in categories that no movie in the 95 year history of the Oscars has ever won in. because they won three acting. That movie won three acting Oscars. Yeah. Best editing, best screenplay, best director, best picture. There's never been a movie that's won that combination before. Um, and even movies that have sort of won, like, the big five, they say there are movies like mm-hmm. Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Picture, Best Director, um, Best Screenplay. I mean, it's I think it's, uh, like, Silence of the Lambs is one. Mm-hmm. I want to say One Float with Cuckoo's Nest. It happened one night. Now, the only reason this didn't get Best Actor is it wasn't eligible, even though I kind of think that Kiwi Kwan... Had a lot of screen time. I, I didn't mm. feel like it was really supporting actor type role, um, but yeah, it wasn't nominated for best actor.
0: Right, right. Um, so okay, so here's here's a put you on the spot question. Okay, because I'm I'm looking over these notes. I'm thinking about everything we've been talking about. I'm thinking back over what I saw the other night. And I'm going to ask you five ten years from now. If somebody asks you. What do you remember about the 2023 Oscars? And once, once you understand that they're talking about the everything, everywhere, all at once Oscars. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody just throws out the year, it's going to take me a minute. I'm not going to remember. Yeah. Like last year, obviously, it's going to be the Will Smith punch. Um, or slap or whatever it was. What are you going to remember about this year's Oscars? I think Cocaine Bear. It's gonna be
1: one okay. of them. That was the Elizabeth Banks one with the weird yeah. bear yeah, outfit right. and the jokes, oh. and she didn't have a voice. Looks like she was sick or something. That that was a weird kind of memorable moment for me. I don't know. It's not an all timer, but that was that was something that's kind of in my brain. Um, I think uh, I like the RRR performance. I always like the songs, even though some people complain about them. Um, and one reason I'm actually okay with it winning is because it's part of the movie. So many of those songs are end credit songs and that's actually part of the movie and they even did the dance. Tacked on. Yeah, they're tacked on, even though they're great songs. I mean, I do feel like that wasn't the best song, you know, like, I mean, that one that they did at the very beginning that Diane Warren wrote was amazing. I'd never even heard it until the Oscars, the one Mm -hmm. called applause. And then the Lady Gaga one I like from Top Gun, um, there i do think they're better songs the rihanna one but um i don't know what's your big memory what would you think in 5 or 10 years would st- stick out
0: i mean right now i think the most meaningful thing is going to be the supporting actor award yeah for Quan.
1: that's probably but, right but all of them but, are new new winners they're all new nominees new winners you know and
0: yeah but no and, but 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 it's it's the significance of him being a child actor in some very celebrated films and coming back as an adult that, but, but, but I say that's what I'm thinking right now. Yeah. Because honestly, 10 years from now, I don't think it's going to be moving enough to stand out to me in my, my quick recall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, in a lot of ways, like it wasn't a bad Oscars, but I think long-term, it's going to be kind of a shrug your shoulders Oscars. I I don't think that people are going to... I mean, I think people will remember that Everything Everywhere All at Once won a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to remember it as, oh, yeah, it's because there was that awesome movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, that won everything. Yeah. Because I still don't think that there's really justification for it being that dominant. Do you, and so... yeah. I mean, I don't know if I don't think it's going to be like a crash versus back Mountain or some or, or Pulp Fiction versus Forrest Gump where somebody was robbed. Yeah. I just I just don't know that there's going to be a whole lot that people are going to remember long term about this one.
1: I think so, too. Although with those two examples you gave, I know everybody thinks that there was a, a robbery, but I, always, I I'm in the minority there. I, I like Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction and I like. I like Crash. I have that movie. I, yeah. I I that really worked for me. But but yeah, I don't I don't think But here's a question I have for you cuz it's it's such Please. an unusual choice. It really is. Like everything ever okay. all at once does not seem to me like a prestige picture, like an Oscar winner and Yeah. Do you think this is an anomaly or a trend? Are we going to see more um, just strange, odd choices in this category? Or is this going to be like, hey, remember the everything year, everything ever, all at once year. And we're going to go back to like, you know, period pieces and dramas by 50 year old filmmakers that have already been nominated three times. You know,
0: here's my hot take, which uh, I'm not legally legally tied to. Right. Um, I think that this is going to be more of a trend but I think it's going to be an unintentional trend. I think it's gonna be more of a circumstantial trend. And what I mean by that is that I don't get the sense that people are going to be going out of their way to find odd choices or unique movies to celebrate and to you know decorate. I think that because of the way that the landscape is changing, um, because of streaming, because of COVID because generations are passing I think that the kind of prestige movies that we have traditionally seen emerge at the end and battle it out for victory I think that that's going to slowly go away or maybe not so slowly Mm -hmm. because Again, I thought that Everything Everywhere All at Once was a good movie, but it didn't strike me as the best of a heated competition. Right. It seemed like a good movie amid other good movies, and we can't really expect the one we really wanted to win, Top Gun. And so we got this. And just because last year, I mean, Coda, my favorite movie of the year and i never would have expected that to win the best picture oscar that's true i mean it was a smaller
1: and, smaller picture in a lot of ways it, it right. wasn't a not a famous and director so, yeah
0: yeah so i think i think that just the way that things are just kind of a lot more scattered and disjointed and and random um i think that those circumstances are going to lead to more selections and victories for those kind of movies Mm-hmm. And and not not because people are consciously saying, oh well, this is the movie we usually give the award to. I'm going to go this way instead. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that um, for this year, its uniqueness, its originality, its multiversal storytelling, combined with the fact that it actually is, in a way, just sort of a, a kind of intergenerational family drama. Mm-hmm. It, I think that worked for it in every way you could imagine. Like that, yeah. that it, it had a little something for everybody, for voters enough to where they were like, I want to reward this movie instead of like, you know, Spielberg's $40 million therapy session or, which is what he's called it. He, he's, he's even referred yeah. to the faithful men's as that, or, um, you know, like the banshees. And, and I know that there's a certain amount with, you remember the Oscar so white campaign hashtag from about five years ago six years ago there's a certain amount of like they always want to make sure like they there's diversity that's rewarded and there's an asian Mm -hmm. cast and there's a there there was kind of there's a a lesbian you know subplot and everything Mm -hmm. all at once um there's certain things in there that you just would not have seen in a movie even just maybe five ten years ago at least like a mainstream you know award circuit film and so i i think it's uh it was just one of those moment movies because I I do think that there's going to be a there's we're going to look back and I, I'm already looking back and I'm saying like Kate Blanchett should have won Best Actress like she was amazing in oh, yeah. Tar I mean it but it's cool that Michelle Yeoh won I, I I'm happy for her. it's awesome you know she's yeah. she's had a great career you know Crouching Tiger and Crazy Rich Asians and all kinds of other movies that are a little bit lesser known but I don't know and you know. Best picture, it, it definitely wasn't my vote. And not that I had a vote, by the way. I'm not a member of the Academy, in case anyone You're not. out there is wondering. Um, but, you know, sometimes... Well,
0: doesn't it, doesn't it seem like this is kind of indicative of our lack of shared experiences?
1: Yeah, you know? it, it kind I of mean,
0: is. Not, not that that explains all of it, but I do think that that, that is what we're seeing more and more with movies, in the same way that, I mean, the, the thing I keep going back to is music, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I could start buying one song at a time, instead of having to buy an entire CD that like totally changed the way that I consume music and the way that I remembered bands and, you know, and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And, And it also seemed at the same time that that kind of marked a separation between, well, growing up, we all listened to this one radio station and you could get heavy metal and you could get pop and you could get a dance song and you could get an adult contemporary song. It would all be played on the same station because it was all pop top 40. Mm -hmm. Now everything is so fragmented that you barely even know what's going on outside of your own little wheelhouse. It's true. And I, it feels like movies are becoming more and more that, you know, with the exception of these big franchises. And that's probably why they keep making this stuff is because that's the only thing they feel is going to have any kind of a crossover appeal, which is another episode we've talked about doing. Yeah. Right? These so.
1: these tentpole movies are, they're the ones that everybody talks about because, um, yeah, they, they get out, they get into 4,300 theaters and they make a lot of money. And even when they fail, they make a decent amount of money. Like Ant-Man, the new Ant-Man movie is not doing as well as they thought, but it's still like the number one movie of the year so far, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but yeah, I, I it's a, it's a weird thing and it's, it, it's hard to find a trend. You know, like you said, Coda, it's quite a different movie from this movie. Nomad yeah. land, parasite, green book, shape of water. These are all recent best picture winners and I can't really find a through line, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and maybe part of it is the ranked choice voting. Cause there's two things that are different about best picture than every other, Category, and that's everybody in the academy votes. Every single guild, it doesn't matter. All the actors, cinematographers, editors, makeup, they all vote for Best Picture, and it's the preferential ranked choice balloting. So this might have been like number two on lots of ballots, like everything ever, all at once. Maybe it wasn't the favorite movie. Maybe it was number two, but I kind of get the feeling it was the favorite among a lot of people since it won so many like acting Oscars and other things. Like, you know. I don't know. It did win Best uh, Original Screenplay, but Best Adapted Screenplay went to Women Talking, which was kind mm-hmm. of an underdog movie that didn't have very many nominations. I think it had like maybe three, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I did, well... I did end up seeing that, by the way, about a week ago. Oh, yeah? yeah, they showed it. They did a special release of it on, I think it was Amazon Prime for a few days right before the Oscars, which was kind of nice. Like they they let you stream it for like four or five days before, so we watched it. It's very talky. It's kind of like a play. <laughs> Go um, figure, huh? Yeah, but it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story. I mean, it's based on a true story about a bunch of women in a colony, like a Mennonite colony in Bolivia, that apparently the men in the colony were were gassing and, and raping the women. And then many of the men got arrested and some of the other men had to go into town and try to pay bail and get them out of jail. And while that was happening, all the women were alone and they had been they were fed up like they had enough when they realized what had happened. And they were trying to decide whether to stay and fight the men or to forgive them or to leave. So the whole movie is like a little democracy, like a, a talk session about what we should do and it's it's pretty good i mean i think the way that they talk in the movie which is actually based on a canadian novel um uh, uh, sort of based on that story in bolivia like they say a lot of things that when they're supposed to be uneducated women that aren't even allowed to be educated and and read and write they say a lot of things that probably you wouldn't say unless you were educated oh, yeah. so that was hard for me but i, I we we enjoyed it so I mean, they, they kind of
0: sorkinized it, it.
1: Maybe, yeah. And Sarah Pauley, <laughs> the screenwriter, is uh, she's you know done a lot of movies, done a lot of good directing and writing, and so they, she got an Oscar for it. But yeah, maybe it was a little bit sorkinized. Um, but yeah, uh, I overall Oscar telecast, yeah, probably a B, B plus, yeah. um, and we look forward to next year when uh, Killers of the Flower Moon wins over Oppenheimer and Dune Two, Barbie the Killers, <laughs> Napoleon. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to. Maybe we'll do a preview show in the in like you know a little while here of what we think is going to be contending.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Mark. Any final? I mean, I guess you just did kind of give your final thoughts. There. Yeah, I gave some final thoughts. There you go. Anything? Anything else you'd like to comment on?
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. Go. 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 You. You have a half an hour in your life, people. Go. <laughs> go see the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse on Apple TV. This there we go.
0: Movie. There we go, a a family friendly recommendation for an animated short, and a mostly family friendly recommendation for a superhero movie in mm-hmm. the middle of March. So there you go. What more could you ask for, listeners everywhere? Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Uh, we love doing this and love your support. So be sure to get on and give us a positive rating, thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us, whatever you got to do. And until next time, we'll see you. All right..
1: I shouldn't have said, all right, maybe you can cut that out.